I'm Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast, Podcast. where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 126. And today it is Terry's turn to share something with us. Terry, what do you have for us today? Well, Daisy, today I have something from one of my favorites, The School of Greatness by Lewis Howes. And I first heard this person on a different podcast. I was listening to a business podcast and listened to some of his content and then thought, let me see if he goes into this in more detail on another place. And sure enough, School of Greatness. So it's called How to Beat Procrastination and Rewire Your Brain for Success with Rory Vaden. I could do with that. I think this is... I feel like I do procrastination really, really well. I I was just joking in one of my groups the other day that I think I could win an Olympic gold medal in procrastination if only they would sponsor it. So I think this is one of those episodes, and I don't know how often you experience this, but you know, sometimes you find a, a podcast episode and you listen and it's just like, oh my gosh, this is me. Oh, wait, I don't want to have to do that. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, shoot. I really need to work on this. Like, it's just this, it was almost this excitement, but then this heaviness of, oh, wow, I really do want to work on this area in my life. And every example they shared, I've got, oh, no, you guys do not even have good examples. Let me tell you how I do this. So... Well, maybe tomorrow. We'll work on it. That's tomorrow. right. I'll, I'll do that some <laughs> other time. So Rory Vaden is the, the guest on here, and he runs a company called Brand Builders Group, so helping people to build their personal brand. And he's written several books, and one of the books they were talking about during this episode is called Take the Stairs, Seven Steps to Achieving True Success. And I'll talk a little bit more about that take the stairs approach. And then another one of his books is called Procrastinate on Purpose, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time. Hmm. So as they start talking about procrastination again, which I feel like needs no introduction because I've perfected it so well. He said that, you know, the number one reason that most psychologists and therapists would describe that people procrastinate is self-criticism. They have it playing through their mind. I won't be successful. I'm really not going to be good enough at this. Probably won't succeed. And so they just don't take that step. But then he started to break it down into saying that there are three types of procrastination. So the first type of procrastination is classic procrastination, probably the one that we are all most familiar with, and that is consciously delaying what you should be doing should be cleaning your room, but instead you go outside and play with friends. We learned this as kids because let's face it, the task that we should be doing isn't all that much fun and we would rather do something else. I know that I do this, you know, 900 times a day probably and struggled my way through writing a dissertation with this, all kinds of areas in my life. The second type of procrastination he describes as his biggest challenge. Um, again, this is Rory Vaden, the, the guest. And he said, and he kind of created this term for it. It's creative avoidance. 
So it's subconsciously creating things to do to avoid doing the thing that you really need to do. And so it's being busy, but it's because you're filling your time with other things and rather than focusing on what actually needs to get done. And then the third type of procrastination is called priority dilution. This is where people tend to leave the most significant tasks undone because instead they're so focused on urgent tasks. I think the creative avoidance and this one may play out kind of similarly for people, but he said this third one is really common for overachievers because they know they have to be, you know, putting their nose to the grindstone and doing a lot of work but they aren't always prioritizing what work has the most impact. Mm. And so maybe they're going to do 150 emails instead of write that speech that they need to deliver tomorrow. Yeah, and you can feel justified because you're really busy doing things that do actually need doing. Absolutely. And similarly with creative avoidance, I think I do a lot of creative avoidance. Mm. It's a fine line, isn't it? It also could be priority dilution-like. A month or so ago, my partner and I went to Colorado and have started talking about moving there. So, of course, I have spent an hour to two hours every day looking at real estate in Colorado. (laughs) Not an important task because we're not going to move for a couple of years probably. Mm -hmm. But it feels warranted to put my time into that because I would rather do that than do the things that I actually should be doing. One of the things he talked about that was kind of complicated about those of us who like to make lists and like to check things off of our list and want to feel the um, accomplishment of getting things done. So one of the challenges that our brain likes to complete things. When you complete a task, when you check that off, you get a little bit of a dopamine hit. But This type of procrastination where, let's use the emails, for example, because for many of us, emails are always coming in and they might be preferable and easy to check off that you got something done. But what happens then, it almost gets you addicted to doing the more menial tasks Mm -hmm. because it feels like an accomplishment. And he describes a lot looking at his research on ultra performers, people who are highly successful in whatever area of their lives. And they seem to have found that success is not related to the volume of tasks that they do, but instead to the significance of the tasks that they complete. And so one of the things he talked about in general, and I'll get into more detail, I'm sure, at another time, is the idea that figuring out the importance of tasks, the urgency of them, and the significance as far as longer-term impact. Because sometimes we just respond to urgency, meaning right now, but that doesn't carry us very far into the future. I guess the real importance and significance, not the ones that you'd like to think are the most important and significant. Absolutely. So being real about Having a real chat with yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, of course. No, actually finding the, the best value new condo in Colorado isn't the best use of my time. Right. But it's certainly <laughs> more enjoyable than completing a task that is on my must-do list. 
So he then talked a little bit about the idea that many of us have what he would call the escalator mentality. We want to get from here to there and we want to take the quickest, easiest path. So we want to take the escalator, the path of least resistance. So rather than taking the path of least resistance and doing those tasks is what he would describe as the take the stairs. And that was the name of his book. Mm. So you know you have to do some hard tasks now. It's, it's walking the stairs. It's going to take a little longer to get there. It's going to take a little more effort to get there. But it's going to be more valuable when you do, rather than just taking the path of least resistance. And then he brought up the thing that just kind of crushed me a little bit. And he said, really, resolving procrastination comes down to one word. Uh-uh. And I bet you know what it is. Discipline. <laughs> he said that discipline is the antidote to procrastination. Like, ah, oh, that's just like a knife into my heart. Because I never would say one of my greatest traits is being someone who's very disciplined. No, same. The nice thing. Yeah, can I have a, can I have a better word, <laughs> yes, please? <laughs> I'd like a new option. Um, but I think, you know, his work really is geared toward helping us to look at discipline differently and look at how we can do this more successfully. Okay. So he said, really, discipline is doing the things you know you need to do even when you don't feel like doing them. And I'm thinking back to last week when we talked about your personality type as a rebel. <laughs> Might be yeah, why. Dis- discipline <laughs> is not really something <laughs> that goes well with that. <laughs> The two of you are not good, good buddies. <laughs> no. So he talked then about the idea that to discipline ourselves, to do the things that need done, even though we don't want to do them, we have to use what he referred to as the paradox principle of sacrifice. And this sounds like a really nice way to say something that I think we all already understand. And that is easy, short-term choices lead to difficult, long-term consequences. And difficult, short-term choices lead to easier, long-term consequences. And I remember you and I talked. James Clear talked. Yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) But so again, it's just that same theme that Mm. making that difficult choice now means you're setting up an easier result down the road, creating an easier Mm. life down the road. But yes, but you don't get that immediate satisfaction Mm -hmm. from that Mm -hmm. choice, do you? (laughs) And unfortunately, what, what most of us learn to do is we learn to block out the idea that by making the easy choice now that we're going to have to pay later. And then he really talks about this in the idea that we think we're avoiding pain by procrastinating. We're avoiding the pain of doing the task we don't want to have to do. But he said, really, procrastinating and indulgence are really just creditors who charge you interest. Mm. Yeah, so we're putting it off. And gaining interest on it. Yeah, we're going to pay more later. And so then he used this in a number of references, but that idea that you really have to focus on whether you want to pay for something now or do you want to pay more for it later. And again, he highlights that these kind of ultra performers 
have kind of mastered that. They do that equation in their head and say, yes, it's going to cost me something right now to do it, but getting it done will cost me less than not doing it now. Yeah, I can't remember who was, it was probably Martin Lewis or some name that won't mean anything to you, but quite famous in the UK for talking about, uh, you know, some financial tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. But I can remember reading something that he wrote or, you know, watching one of his videos or something that really brought home. It was when I had, you know, too much credit. I think I had a bank overdraft and I had a credit card and, and things like that. And he sort of gave some tips of how best to get them paid off and the importance of paying them off. And he really brought home, which is exactly what, you know, your guy is saying here, that if you buy something on a credit card, that is whatever, £10, you pay £10 when you pay for it. But unless you're one of these really disciplined people who just takes advantage of, and there are some good reasons for using credit cards in this way, but you take advantage of the 0% credit. Usually, you know, if you pay it off every month, which they don't really like you doing, do they? But if you do that, then you never do pay interest on it. So you are always still paying that £10. However, if you always have, you know, if, you, if you're always accruing that debt on your credit card, then you're not paying £10 for that thing you think you're paying £10 for. You sort of, you know, you're living in cloud cuckoo land, really. So yes, because you're handing over £10 in the moment, but actually that thing is not costing you £10. It's costing you whatever, £13.50 or mm-hmm. how, you know, it, it can get bigger and bigger and bigger depending how long it takes you to pay it off. But if you can only try and put that figure on it when you're handing over the money, you might sort of think twice, well, actually, I don't think it's worth £13.50. I don't really want to pay more than £10 for it. But I'm effectively, by paying for it this way, I am paying more money for it than is what's listed on the label. And unfortunately, I know when it comes to financial things, that has certainly been challenging for me because I love a bargain. And so it's like, well, I need to buy it right now because it's on sale. And I wipe out the rest of that knowledge. Yes, but by buying it now on this card, if you don't pay it right away, you're not getting a bargain for that. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So he then talked about this kind of idea that you and I are discussing now, the idea that people who struggle in an area of life typically justify staying stuck or staying in that difficult place. So he said, you know, if people are in a difficult relationship, they go back to, oh, this is why it's so difficult. And this is why I stay stuck in this pattern or people who are struggling with health reasons or weight loss, typically, you know, well, I was born this way. This is just, you know, I have to do this because it's so much more convenient. I'm so busy at work. And again, he talked about financial examples as well. But unfortunately, we learn to justify avoiding the pain now and we accept the longer term, more negative consequences. Yes, I mean, I guess we we accept it in the fact that we just don't think about it. Mm -hmm. It's not really a conscious acceptance, is it? It's a sort of acceptance by default quite often, just not thinking about it. Absolutely. 
And unfortunately, it's a little bit that mentality like, ah, I'll worry about that tomorrow. Mm. And I'm becoming more and more aware of as I really look at this kind of stuff that I'm adding a lot of stress to my future Mm. by trying to avoid the pain of doing it right now that every time somehow I justify it, it's okay, I'll handle that later. I'm adding thousands and thousands of units of energy I'm going to have to use sometime in the future to deal with these things that I'm not dealing with now. I think actually something that we don't consider but that I've become more aware of is it's not just the extra stress that you're adding to the future, but actually you are adding some daily anxiety Mm -hmm. because even if you're determined not to think about it, there's a part of your brain that knows that you're putting it off, you know, that knows that you're not facing that thing Mm -hmm. that you need to face right now. And it's there and it's getting anxious about it because it knows it's coming. It's like an anticipatory Mm -hmm. anxiety. So you are paying for it in the moment as well as going to pay for it with interest further down. compounded (laughs) extra fee. (laughs) Um, He said again that these kind of uh, ultra performers have figured out that this phrase, problems procrastinated on amplify. And instead, they have the approach, it's a problem, I'm going to address it right now. So he went into this example um, that I, for me was pretty helpful. I, I like analogies. I like ways of understanding things. So he talked about the fact that he's from Colorado. Funnily enough that I used that mm-hmm. example already, but he's from Colorado. And he said, you know, in Colorado, the state is pretty much divided in half. The Western half has the Rocky Mountains and the Eastern half has, I don't remember the geographic name of them, but some plains. So it's very flat. So he said, in one state, we tend to have cows and buffalo in the same area due to these geographic things. And he said, but it's interesting if you look at how these two animals respond differently to storms. So a cow will sense the storm coming and the storms come from the west and roll in through the east. So the cow will try to get ahead of it. It will walk east. It'll, it'll try to avoid it and have to keep going until finally it's just overwhelmed by the storm. And by now they're, you know, far away from their place or maybe they've gotten backed up against a fence and now they have to ride out the storm. Whereas buffalo do something that's pretty unique for animals. They will sense the storm and will turn toward it as it's, you know, let's say it's coming over this mountain pass and it breaks, they will turn into it and charge it Mm. head first, run right into it because then they're going to break through the storm and they're going to be on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, there is pain. They are going to have to face the storm, but they have figured out, I'm going to push right through this. Hmm. And then I'm going to be on the other side where the cow is still getting pummeled by it because it was trying to get away from it. And it's knackered because it's been running away from it for three days. That's right. That's right. So it's it's less resilient. Mm. And so I, I loved this analogy. I like, I don't remember if I've ever shared this with you, but one of my favorite talks before from Tara Brock talked about the difference between pain and suffering. And she said, look, we are going to experience pain. And this is in line with what 
Rory Baden is saying here, we are going to experience pain, physical pain, emotional pain. And it's the attempt to avoid the pain that puts us into a place of suffering. So as you were just talking about the stress, the anxiety as a result of avoiding the pain and leaning into the more pain in the future, that creates a state of suffering versus accepting, I'm going to go through this short period of pain, like the buffalo nose. And my favorite analogy from grad school that I still use all the time is the idea that when you have a Charlie horse, that muscle in your calf is so tight and your toes pointed down and just hurts so bad. The best thing to do to get it out of that is to put your toe on the floor and press down. But that hurts more. So of course you don't want to do that. But it's the only way to get to the other side of that pain. Otherwise, you have to hold on to that. It's holding pain. So this episode, you can tell already, it's just churned up all of this for me. And I don't remember if I mentioned this earlier, but there are basically seven steps that he talks about of working through this. And I've only gotten through number one. So I wanted to break this episode up and just introduce this idea, get us talking about it. And then next time I will come back with the remaining steps. Yes. And I suspect it's it's quite often in the case that first step that they talk about is the, you know, the more lengthy and the other ones roll along a bit more of a pace anyway. Yeah. And again, might be some listeners out there. My guess is definitely you and I, based on our conversations There's something about this concept and this episode that I really want to embrace. And I want to learn to master it differently. And I can feel all of my resistance creeping up. I don't want to have to be disciplined. I don't like doing that. Why would I do now what's painful if I can avoid that until tomorrow? So I am hoping that by the next time we record the follow-up part of this, that I have had some more time to sit with it and see where I can maybe start to enact some change in my life. Yes, I think you're spot on there. It feels like the right and appropriate and necessary time to take a break and sit with it. Because I suspect a lot of our listeners, certainly as as you've just said, both of us have issues with that. And I'm feeling the same kind of, it's that combination, isn't it, of almost excitement on one hand, I might get some some new ideas about this. I might finally break through this thing that I know is a real problem that I have and is something that I've always struggled with. But on the other hand, there's this very deep resistance in knowing that It's not going to be, there are going to be no easy answers, (laughs) but maybe, you know, there might be something that just fits and makes it click this time. So it's this real teetering balance between the two. That's quite exciting, but I feel, I do feel like I need a little bit of a rest before we talk about (laughs) it further. (laughs) Like you feel like you've already been pounded over the head with it already. Yeah. Let's just put it it off for a little while. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know if this is common in Europe, but here in the U.S., 
you go on vacation, you stay at a, a resort and they talk you into coming to this sales pitch. They show you this amazing resort and all of their sister resorts and everything you're going to get by just buying a unit or a period of time or whatever. And when you first start, you're so excited. You're like, oh, honey, isn't that great? Oh, look at all the amazing trips we'll be able to take. And you're all excited and you want to make it happen. And then you start getting all the fine print. Well, you can only use it on these weeks and it costs this much and you can't do this with it and you have to do that. And then it's like, oh, it's not quite so exciting now. So when I first got this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to tackle the, uh, <laughs> shoot. Okay. <laughs> so I will be back with part two. Well, I look forward to it with trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Take good care, everybody. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>